Light Warrior Radio, where our intention is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether that's prosperity, radiant health, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, best-selling author of Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And for my free Light Warrior Empowerment Kit, if you are a Light Warrior sensitive soul like I am, just go to lightwarriorsupport.com. Lots of free gifts for you, including my very, very um, popular clearing and protection spray formula that you can use right away to balance your energies and get rid of negative energies around you. So today I'm excited because my friend Deborah Sloan is going to be with us today. Now let me tell you a little bit about Deborah before I um, formally uh, welcome her to the show. Now one of the things that I think is so pervasive that people do not, I think it's not necessarily on your awareness every single day, but it's the whole diagnosis of cancer. Now, I've not had anyone on the show yet actually specifically talking about cancer for whatever reason, Um, but today is special because um, one of the things that I think bothers me the most as a medical doctor is that, you know, and especially in the past when I did regular allopathic medicine, is that if somebody got the diagnosis of cancer, there was only so much I could do to support them emotionally. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not there with them in their home. I'm not there with them talking to all their family members. Sometimes I was, and it was, like, overwhelming. I just couldn't handle it. You know, I was so busy as a doctor, you know, and I was good at that stuff emotionally, but I just, you know, not just emotionally, but now that I'm an energy, you know, um, a light medicine doctor, energy healer, I realize there's so much more that is beyond the physical that what we deal with in regular medicine. So now I'm empathizing with all these millions of people with the diagnosis of cancer, all their families, what they have to deal with. And I, as a medical doctor, do not have that kind of time. And a lot of doctors don't have that training to really support people. So what happens? People go home. They have, you know, they just got told they have cancer. They are in the state of shock. They are in the state of of terror, terror and fear and panic. All their, their, their loved ones are in the same state. So sometimes cannot even support the person emotionally because they're going through their own emotions. Like, what if this person dies? What am I going to do? And da, 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 da. How am I going to take care of this person? It is so difficult. So, but what if, what if there was someone out there who specifically helps people with the diagnosis of cancer and their families to navigate this cancer healing journey? So that, guess what, that you can have greater ease, that it can actually be a healing journey, even with the diagnosis of cancer. Wouldn't that be amazing? And so I was just so thrilled when I learned um, not that long ago in Hawaii, actually 2018, I'm, uh, you know, we, I talked to Deborah Slum, who I'm going to invite to the show just in a moment, about what she does. And she is the um, radiance resilience expert, and she helps families. And people diagnosed with cancer navigate this journey. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I have to have you on the show. <laughs> you know, because there are no, like, like, I don't know too many people out there. Like, I have, I know one other person who, you know, kind of helps people with cancer. But, you know, with Deb's energy healing background and her having been a registered nurse, a cranial sickle therapist, she has a very broad way of looking at the big picture and she's been helping people with, uh, you know, with cancer for a while. And I, I, like I said, I'm so thrilled to know someone in this arena because it is sorely needed. Um, and so let me just tell you a little bit about Deb before I introduce her formally. So she is a nurse of over 30 years, uh, like I mentioned before, a cranial sacral therapist. She's actually a certified holistic cancer practitioner 
and she's the only one I know about, you know, who has that, uh, you know, designation. Um, and so she has various different options for support. Now, it does not mean that you have to you go all holistic or whatever. I mean, you if you are doing chemo radiation, that is fine. Deborah can support you. If you are doing alternative medicine, she can support you. If you do a combination of both, she can support you. And so having her experience is so helpful because I, I don't have that experience, and I need people uh, to refer to uh, that are really good at this stuff. Um, so today on the show, we're going to talk about some tools or some tips on, you know, supporting yourself and your families, um, you know, people that are diagnosed with cancer. We're going to talk about a few little things, too, like like what is somato-emotional release and, and how is it helpful for uh, cancer patients and their families and how does that actually work? Why is it important? So, and then what is a holistic cancer practitioner? What do they do? How they can help you? And maybe some steps necessary for you if you happen to have that diagnosis or you know someone that does. What are the steps necessary to traverse this cancer journey with greater ease and grace? And then, so if you want to call in live um, to ask Deborah a question, get some expert mentoring, now is the time to to do it. Um, actually, now meaning like this show, the uh, number to call in is 818-514-1190. Just hit one so we know your hand's up, and we're going to be taking people, um, you know, as they call in. So first come, first serve. So again, it's 818-514-1190. Uh, hit one so we know that your hand is up. And if you are listening to us online, I've just opened the chat so you can actually write your question in for Deborah on the chat as well. So this is your great opportunity to get some support and some help from an expert. So without further ado, welcome, Deborah. Hello. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here today. Oh, yes. I'm super, super excited to have you as well. Like I said, I actually don't know uh, a certified holistic cancer practitioner, so I know I'm going to learn a lot today. <laughs> By having you on the show, um, but first, I would love for people to know, and I, I'm not even like you told me a little bit about your background, but and it's very interesting. So, I want to know, like, what got you to this place to decide to support people with cancer? Like, what was your journey? Oh wow! Well, I think um, I'd have to go back a long way. Um, my journey into the life of that terror and fear and panic that you talk about actually started when I was a, a toddler and I was really severely burned. Um, that was my mm. first experience with trauma. And even though I was that young, I still remember it. It's, it's as if the body wow. just knows. And every once in a while that, you know, it creeps in and you go, Oh, wait a minute. I thought I'd already dealt with that, but it's, it's just there with you. So I, that was my first experience with, with trauma. Um, the second and probably the most influential for me was when my sister was diagnosed with cancer. And at that time, I was only about nine when she was diagnosed and um, very quickly felt like I was an adult in the family because uh, wow. of everything that cancer does to the family, how the suffering begins immediately. Like you said, from that moment that you get the, the diagnosis, people go mm -hmm. into a place where it's difficult to come back out of, and you see it rip through the family. You see the intense suffering. I was lucky enough and grateful enough to have had a very 
good relationship with my sister and she seemed to want to spend a lot of time with me, which was awesome. Um, so I spent a lot of time going back and forth to the hospital with her, uh, watching the effects on not only her, but on my mom and my other siblings. And uh, I say my mom because she was the one that was there most of the time. My dad was a, a long haul truck driver. So, um, you know, he was gone for long periods of time, but to see, that transition to see what happens to people uh, you know I'd always wanted to be a teacher and during that time I thought no no I need to do something different I need to do something bigger and better so in that moment at the age of between nine and ten years old I decided that I was going to be a nurse and that I was going to go wow. out there and gosh darn it I was going to make it better for people because it's pretty alarming when you see some of the things that take place behind closed doors in a person's home um, up right. firsthand and personal, what that looks like, and and it's terrifying. And oh my gosh, I can't believe you yeah. were ten going through all that and already being a support person at the age of ten for your what five year old sister? She's like half your age. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. So it was. I learned a lot. Uh, I opened up opened up to a lot of different things at a very young age. I don't know if I grew up really quickly in that time or if it just the opening allowed the the information and the knowledge to come in. I'm not sure which came first. Mm-hmm. But there was a time when, yes, both myself and my next sister to me, you know, we, we did play that role of the parent a lot because my mom was at the hospital so much. And, you know, during this time she had also just had twins. So, oh jeez, <laughs> yeah, like seriously, like she, so she'd be in the hospital, and my sister and I, who would be oh, eight man. at the time, would be home with the twins because that's what you had to do. I mean, that's right, and your dad wasn't that's around. That was, he was needed. A truck right, I mean, he was out doing what he needed to do, and my mom was doing what she needed to do at the time. Um, so, you know, I, I learned an awful lot and I just knew that I was going to take everything I learned at that time and put it, harness it in and put it to, into everything about my nursing career. And that's exactly what I did. And, um, mm, yeah. And then about amazing. 20 years ago, I had another experience with my nephew and that during that time, that's when I was introduced and did more research into energy healing and became fascinated with it, fell in love with it, um, and has proceeded to take dozens of, of different courses related to cranial psychotherapy, to the Reiki, to different energy therapies, and I've incorporated them, which has been a huge benefit to every patient that I've ever worked with in allopathic for mainstream medicine or in the natural side of medicine. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. And that's kind of how I ended up where I am. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Well, you know, I, I wanted to, even though it's difficult and painful sometimes for people to hear it, like I noticed that, um, you know, when someone tells a friend or, you know, that they have cancer, it's like the most common reaction, maybe this is a judgment on my part, <laughs> but the most mm-hmm. common reaction is, oh, poor you, you know? And they might say, you know, what can I do? And, you know, but, but there's a part of them that really almost is so terrified that the other person they know and love has cancer that sometimes they, 
they run away. Like they 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 don't yeah. even know. Um, so the person then feels abandoned because you know it's too close to home, and so people don't yeah. almost want to be near the person with cancer because they're like feel like completely useless. They can't. They don't know what to do to support them, and it's almost like I don't really. I didn't really want to know that. You know. So yeah, it can be exactly. doubly painful. So maybe you can share with me, like in, in your experience with working with people in your own family, what does happen behind closed doors? I mean, that's just a snippet of what I observe on the outside. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head pretty good when you talk about being abandoned. Uh, there is a huge sense of abandonment within the circle of the family living with cancer, whether it's the, the actual person or the family around them. And it's like people are afraid. Suddenly they, they think that they can't speak normally to the person anymore. Suddenly they can't treat them the same way. Like if they're honest right. with how they're feeling, then, oh, my gosh, that's going to upset the other person. And in essence, what, that, what that's actually doing is you're taking, you're taking more away from, from those people that are living with cancer. You're taking another piece of what's, normal to them and you, you, we're taking it away from them and not intentionally not maliciously we don't even, we're not even aware that we do it that's what's happening because every mm. time somebody comes up and says oh you poor thing or oh my gosh or oh well oh that's too bad and then you don't see them again for months on end right at each time that happens it takes another little piece away from that person and takes another mm. little piece and then it's even harder for them to to start finding themselves again because that abandonment just piles up and up and up and up and up and it's really hard to dig yourself out from under that. It's almost like you've been labeled with leprosy. (laughs) Yeah. And people don't want to catch it. Cancer is contagious. (laughs) Yeah. Like if I just pretend it's not really there because I'm really uncomfortable and I don't know what to say to my friend. So, you know, and and like you said, not... Treating the person right. like like there's all these other aspects to their their themselves, not just a person with cancer. I mean, they're an artist, they're right. a mother, they're yeah. So we 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 just get stuck. We don't even know what to talk about except the cancer or not or just right. abandon them. Yep. And I I think some of that comes from we just don't want to talk about cancer. It's like nobody ever wants to talk about it, whether you have it or you don't have it. And I think the more that we can talk about it, the more we can become educated and understand what it is, what it means, what it's about, what do the people in that circle need. Uh, If we could just be a little bit more open to not being afraid to talk about it. Because somebody saying, oh, you know, I've just been diagnosed with cancer, the last thing they need is, is for that abandonment to start creeping in. What they're looking for is they're yeah. actually reaching out for some support. They're looking for their tribe. They they want somebody that they can still be real with. And mm-hmm. when, they're, when they're feeling that fear, when they're feeling that abandonment, they start feeling like they're not normal. Mm-hmm. And, and I've had patients they, say, I have not told anyone. And I asked them why. Yeah. They said, because I don't want them looking at me like I'm a victim. Yeah. Yeah, they talk I don't want to you them treating me that they way. look at you differently. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Even, a, even a conversation. You know, yesterday you and I could have had this amazing lunch over a glass of wine and laughed and had a great time. And then today I tell you I have cancer. And suddenly it's like, oh, okay. 
and you, they're not allowed to be happy around camaraderie. me. Camaraderie. <laughs> people think. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, it's, it, it's a big, it's a big concern. And um, I really do think if we could just have some more conversation around it at the dinner table, it's all around us. The more we're afraid of it, the more we're going to continue to be afraid of it. So we need to embrace what's happening. We need to start understanding what's happening behind these closed doors so that we can better support people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. So um, in your experience as you know, a certified holistic cancer practitioner, um, what mm-hmm. are the things that families and you know, patients need, especially when they're newly diagnosed, um, that will really make a difference in the quality of their life. So they don't get into that abandonment, so they don't get into, you know, feeling lost and like they're like a leper and nobody wants to talk to them or other, other or the other opposite, which is everyone smothering them, you know, with concern right. and telling them what to do. <laughs> I get that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually one of the two extremes, right? So um, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that they could, I think really the number one thing, and I know this word gets tossed around a lot, um, so I've been looking actually to find a different word in its place, but ultimately in working with the 4,500 plus people with cancer that I have in both realms, the mainstream medicine and in the healing world, the number one is mindfulness. The other, so the word I've come up with right now is alertness. And so what does that mean? It means allowing us to be aware of what's happening inside and around us at this moment, not what happened yesterday or six months ago, not six months from now, the piece that hasn't even been written yet, but in, right in this moment, just being able to slow ourselves down, take a breath, and see where we are and what is truly happening inside and around us. Uh, Really to try and avoid that physiological fight or flight response that happens because the minute you get a diagnosis, you go into that response. The minute that somebody Mm -hmm. is feeling abandoned by somebody, you go into that response. The minute they say, okay, we're going to have to do chemo or radiation, you go into that response. So how can we avoid that? fight or flight and the mindfulness piece really is a big part of that mm. uh, it, and what that also does then is it adds extra stress to your body so when you're already somebody that's dealing with and living with cancer now you're putting this extra stress on the body and why is that unhealthy for somebody living with cancer it's really using up precious resources those resources yes. that we could be using to help heal the body. And that added stress can make the symptoms worse. The symptoms related to the cancer can make them worse. You can start having other symptoms completely unrelated to the cancer, which things like digestive issues, circulation issues, inflammation. You may start having these symptoms occur, and they're totally unrelated to the cancer itself, which makes it so much harder for the body to heal. Um, mm. Self-talk is something that is huge. It takes over when we get in that fight or flight too because what that fight or flight is trying to do is it's meant to protect us. It's, and we're not supposed to live there all the time. It's, it, it's a state that we go into when we feel threatened. So when any of these things happen and we start feeling threatened, we go there. 
And then we end up living there, adding on all of this stress that we just talked about here. So, like I said, for me, the mindfulness was the number one. If we can just help people get in this deal with going right now, right, right now, what's happening? What are you thinking? What's going on? Who's here? Who's not here? Who do you need? Who don't you need? What do you need? What don't you need? But figuring out what's going on, bringing them to a place of calm so that they can take that added stress off their body so that they can start to heal their bodies so that they can start to work towards uh, a place of of calm is what I keep coming back to. That's my ultimate goal with people is really just helping to keep them in a place of calm. Getting them I out think of that, that chaos. this diagnosis is like one of the biggest quote unquote stressors there could ever be. Um, yeah. And absolutely. so if, if a person can uh, be able to have that, that skill set of being calm despite the diagnosis and all the trappings mm-hmm. and all the fear and mass consciousness and everything around that, they really become empowered. So I couldn't agree with you more that this is so key. And I know that that word mindfulness is kind of overused and people are like, yeah, 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 mindfulness, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's why, um, you know, I've been trying to come up with another word and alertness is being alert to what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And I, I myself poo-pooed the whole mindfulness thing for forever because I'm like, I am not walking and paying uh, $500 for this, you know, program to walk across the grass on my bare fleet, feet for an hour. Mm-hmm. Forget it. You know, like I'm not doing yeah. that because I'm like an action woman, yeah. right? Action, action, action. But now I've come full circle and realized, OMG, uh, in order for me to manifest a brand new reality, I actually need to be in this space. I don't have to walk on the grass, but there are other techniques, of course. Yeah. But I do need to be in that space. And so I couldn't agree with you more that it's super important. And people with cancer, uh, I have to say, they need support because it's one thing to like go online and try to do a mindfulness video, but there's all these thoughts that are just like, blah, 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 you know, yeah. in your brain. And yep. so someone like you who's seen thousands and thousands of people, you already know what all those thoughts are, right? And you can, like, nip them in the butt <laughs> yeah. and, and feed back to yeah. that person. And help them um, figure out where they're coming from and how they can, how they can turn them around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I think it's super important. I think if, if there was any one diagnosis where I would say, you know, absolutely, you know, you need outside support beyond your doctors, you know, I'd be like, cancer's yep. up the one. That's the one. Um, if you didn't do it for anything else, do it for that because it is so uh, needed. And, and, yeah, people just don't even realize that the stress that they feel is then contributing to symptoms mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with the cancer, which then they question whether it's the cancer. So I get that all the time, right? Like somebody would be like, oh, I've got this yeah. back pain. It might be the cancer. Oh, I've got this yeah. whatever, you know, pain in my eye. It must be the cancer. And I'm like, no, it's <laughs> not, no. you know, but they're freaking out. Yeah, because yeah. They're, they're asking their bodies to work harder than ever before when they stay in that fight-or-flight state. And they may yeah. not even be aware that they're in that fight-or-flight state because now it's appearing normal to them. They yeah. are. They're asking their bodies to work harder. They're not restoring themselves. I mean, just take sleep. Our body does its restoration during the night when we sleep. So if if you're up with the the mind chatter going all night or this happening or I'm staying up to three o'clock because I've got to get 
this done for my kids tomorrow, you're not allowing your body to restore. We really need to start paying attention to what's happening in our bodies. Like you said, I totally agree, especially the patients with, with cancer. Um, you know, they can get themselves into even more of a health crisis. Mm-hmm. For sure. Right. So um, so it sounds like the, the mindfulness of the alertness is like one of the steps on people's healing journey that's absolutely crucial. Did I get that yes. right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I know I know you have a you know a program specific for people um, and families with cancer, and um, I'm, I'm not going to repeat the whole name, so I'm going to have you say it. <laughs> and, and maybe you could share with us briefly, like what are the other steps that are necessary in okay. your you know expertise that people need? Yeah. So the program that I've created is called Families Finding Flow, and. You know, I thought a lot about the title, and this has changed several times. Um, but it, it ultimately is about the family because that's the immediate circle that's involved. And, you know, we have the client who's in the middle of it. We have the it, – let's, let's just choose a, a, a child. You know, then we have the parents who sort of become the invisible client. And then we have the siblings who become the forgotten client. So I really felt it was important to include the families in the whole process because it's something that they all need. And it's really, it really is about finding chaos and uh, finding calm in the life of chaos. So, yeah, like you said, the first step is really that mindfulness piece. So when I break this down over the 12 months, really in that first month, it's about relaxing. How, how do we get the mind to relax? How do we get, the body to relax and come to a place where it is in a state of balance so that we can start doing some really good work. Um, in the next phase, we talk about releasing. So what are some of the things that we're hanging on to? You know, is it that you're working 23 hours a day and causing hmm. excess stress on your body? Is it that you're trying to make everything perfect and always striving hmm. to be good enough? Is it that you're always obsessing over what has to be done six months or 12 months down the road? You know, those things that are taking. So how do we release those things? How do we help you to revitalize yourself and reconnect with self? And then in the last month, um, we talk about realigning. So bringing all of those, all of those abandonment pieces that got taken away in the beginning, all of those fear pieces, all of those other things that you've lost, how do we bring them back and realign your body and how do we accentuate what's happening in your life and liberate you to that place of finding more peace and joy and gratitude and, again, ultimately calm in your life. So those are the kind of the three phases that I take people through and then we break them down. Um, Each week we would have a different theme or Mm. title, per se, that we would we would work with for that particular week. Wow. So this is a year-long program you have? It's 12 weeks. Oh, 12 weeks. Sorry, I thought you said 12 months yeah. earlier. So I was... No, oh, okay, no, that so was, weeks. you know, who, uh, obsessing over what has to be done six months or 12 months down the road if you're oh, living God. in that okay, place. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, right uh... now it's a 12-week program, and, um, you know, I've had a couple people come through it, and they've had incredible success. And I really think a lot of, again, I go back to the first phase where we just, we need to help them relax. We need to get them to a place where they're 
mind and body can do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's uh, funny because on the outset, people think that healing has to do with all the symptoms going away. And uh, the the bigger picture is um, that sometimes we don't get to know as humans what is you know, necessarily what what we think is healing is not what, you know, our soul uh, in conjunction with, you know, source and, you know, our life path and everything, you know, what is healing? I had a friend of mine uh, die Mm -hmm. a while back of um, a type of cancer that should have been, quote, unquote, easily treated. In fact, I don't even know, you know, why they even did chemotherapy. I mean, it was that surface, uh, a tumor, but, Mm -hmm. uh, and then she ended up with metastasis, uh, again, not expected from this kind of thing. This is, I found out later, she didn't, you know, consult me for, for anything. But, um, when I, when I found out about that initially, I was really super sad, uh, because I was like, oh, I wish she had consulted me and that, that, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, but then she told me that she was completely at peace. Um, she had reconnected with her mother, which I had not known that they had been estranged. Um, and there was a lot of anger that she had towards her mother from the for things in the past. Now she was not going to outlive her mother. She was dying, and she knew that. But they had con- reconnected, and she said she she was healed. I mean, her physical body was not, you know, necessarily healed. And, yep. and maybe on the outside, you say, well, gee, that's not healing. But she was healed. She She died in peace with her loving husband and a a reconnection with this parent that she completely forgave and it was beautiful yeah it was absolutely beautiful oh that's an amazing story and i've seen many and many like that over the years and thank you for bringing that up because you're absolutely right healing doesn't mean a cure healing means what is it that your body needs to do what it needs to do to to finish what it's here to finish, and I know some people are probably thinking, "What the heck do you mean by that?" Well, your story was a really good example of that. Um, I cannot tell you the number of patients I've had with very very similar stories. You know, it's like it's cancer is like a symptom. It's something's going on in the body and it's trying to tell us and we're not listening, we're not listening, and we're not listening, and then we get the diagnosis of cancer because the body is trying to tell us something. There's, some, there's something that hasn't been healed. So for your friend, it was this disassociation and this anger towards her mother. And once mm-hmm. she was able to do that, then what she was here for was, was done. Um, yeah, like that purpose. I, you know, I was, um... Yeah, I've I've worked with children as young as three weeks old who have lived more of a life than a lot of adults have. And wow. Just to see them go through the process that they go through and do the things that they've done to influence the people that they've influenced to do their own healing. So yeah. I'm thinking about one child in particular. You know, there's not any one on this planet who can tell me that she wasn't here to heal her family Mm. she was with us for three weeks and the inspiration that she brought to everyone around her the healing that she brought to her family the joy and the peace and they were very much at peace I had the privilege of working with them 
through the, the whole three weeks of her life. And the piece that they found was just, I, I was in awe. And it was mm. beautiful to watch. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Oh, yeah, I get yeah. So feeling, feeling into it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, and, and again, yeah. so it's things like that that keep me doing what I'm doing. And not everybody will understand some of the things I say. Right. And, some, and a lot of people won't have the same beliefs that I do. And that's okay because we're all, we're all here for different reasons and we all have different beliefs. And that's okay. What I want to bring is I want to be able to work with those people like I did with that particular family to be able to be a part of bringing them to that kind of peace mm-hmm. in a time that could be seen as a, a horrific and terrifying and why did this happen to me time to be a part of helping them transition to the, the state that they were at was just, it makes my heart swell. Mm, yeah, that sounds beautiful. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Mm. Well, and I, you know, on the big soul level, the big, the big picture, um, at least my belief is that uh, we don't actually die. Yes, our physical bodies do die at some point, um, but we don't actually die and we're here as a spiritual being having a human experience and to learn and evolve and connect and, you know, go grow closer and closer to source. And I think what I've witnessed uh, over the years as a medical doctor and seeing people with various illnesses, including cancer, is that there are there there was a huge opportunity with each one. Do we connect more with our loved ones? Do we increase the love and our connection with source, with others, with our families? Or do we completely miss the point <laughs> of the yeah. illness? And do we fight and resist yeah. and, and, and our focus is all about, you know, curing it and fighting it and getting rid of it. And I, I really dislike the whole the whole campaign about, you know, fight for a cure. It's like, no, fighting is not the energy that yeah. is necessary yeah. for healing. It's completely the opposite. I yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Fighting, so again, that word fighting leads to keeping us in that fight or flight stage. Because our subconscious mind doesn't understand, okay, and here's fight. Okay, I'm supposed to fight, so I'm going to put you in this protective mode now. And we don't realize what actually happens physiologically inside of our bodies when that happens, when we say those words. Three yeah. days later, we might get a cold and think, oh, geez, why do I have this cold? Well, because your body's trying to tell you something. You mm-hmm. need to be in this moment. You need, we need to start changing the words we use. I'm a, I'm a big word person. And yeah, oh, good. So when, I, when somebody <laughs> says, I'm fighting this, it's like, well, no, you're, actually, you're living with it. So how can we help you live through it? How can we help you with the process? But the minute you say fight, your body goes into a very different state. That's and right. We are seeing cancer as a bad guy and it's not. Yeah. Right. I understand what they're trying to say. It's just that when they continue to use that word, they continue to set into their, their mind and their brains that 
yeah, okay, I need to stay in, I need to stay in this fight mode. I have to stay in this fight mode. And so if we go back to all of those about a few minutes ago about what that added stress does to the body, they're actually going to make themselves sicker by staying there good point. with those words. So, yeah. and, and that's where my, my relax in the first phase of the program is all about, is, is about relaxing. It is about how do we analyze where we are? How do we accept where we are? Because we can't make change until we accept where we are. And it, that goes for anything in life. Um, you have to understand and accept where you are in order to figure out what it is you want to do to make the change that you want to make. So, you know, analyzing and accepting. And the first part of that is awaken. Awaken to what's, what's, hap- what's going on inside of yourself and around you. Because when you start spinning, mm. there's a lot of things that start happen, happening around you as well. So help, just helping them to awaken, helping them to analyze what's going on and then to accept where they are so that we can start to make decisions and choices with clarity. Yes, and and I love that you mentioned that too just now because I know from hearing from what my patients say, maybe what I used to say as a medical doctor. Uh now I, now I never did take the um you know, we had options in medical school to do specific rotations and get delve deeper into certain areas and oncology was not one that I chose to do, although the teacher was very good and people loved it. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, part of it was that um, just that, you know, people are looking for this cure, looking for this, you know, uh, magic pill or whatever, and there's so much pushing. Now, I'm not trying to be critical necessarily of my colleagues in the, you know, because that's what they're taught. That's what we were taught. But there's so much pushing, like, you've got cancer. You need to get surgery right away. Or we need to start right. chemo this week. You know, and, and you just go right. from, I'm perfectly healthy one day, and then two days later, somebody says, you need to go to chemo right away, and you got to travel. In our case, we have to travel, you know, to get it done. And, and these are all the side effects, and these are the drugs you have to be on, and we're going to yeah. their health insurance. And, and here in the States, you know, it's a big deal, you know, health insurance. And, and so you are literally pushed, rushed, shoveled into treatment with absolutely right. no counseling of, like, wait, is it possible for me to wait to make a decision? Yeah. You know, what are the alternatives? How can I support myself even if I do choose chemo and radiation or whatever? Like, it's crazy. And and I got to tell you, that, that makes me a little, you know, peeved <laughs> now. <laughs> When when my patients or clients and I hear about it, that how they are being pushed, and I'm like, excuse me, right. but this cancer has been growing for 20 years, okay? And you're going to tell this person yeah. they need to get chemo in two days? Really? Seriously? You've got to be kidding. Unless yeah. the person is going to, I understand, going to die the next minute because the cancer is pushing on something that is vital for life, okay? I get that, okay? You need surgery right away. Yeah. But if it's not that then give them some space. Like there is no data, no evidence that that approach actually is what's necessary. It's just what we're taught. We see cancer, we freak out, it's got to be cured, let's get rid of it, let's cut it out, let's burn it, let's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I know you know know what what I'm talking about. Yeah, and what you just said there about, oh, I, I do this and this and I freak out. That's the point right there. That's why they push 
I've talked to some physicians over the years, you know, 30 odd years, you get to know one or two of them. And that's often what they'll say is, well, you know, I panic and well, we have to do this because, okay, I know, I know it's there. I know it's an option. And so the physician starts panicking and he gets into the fight or flight and he starts, you know, these balls rolling and the cancer patients got their balls rolling, but everybody's kind of on a different track, even though they're talking about the same thing, they're all a little bit on a different track. Nobody's really coming together. Like you said, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Let's just take a breath. Let's stop here for a minute. Let's talk about what's going on. First of all, how are you doing since having the diagnosis? Let's, let's get over that stage. Because again, if we don't, if we keep that person in that elevated fight or flight, they're not going to do well with their surgery. They're not going to do well with recovery. They're not going to do well with their chemo. Because the body is working too hard. It's in a state of stress and it's working too hard. So all of the the things that we're trying to do, it's going to be more difficult for them to manage it. Right. And and I would love to apologize on behalf of my entire profession, including whatever I've done in the past, that has caused that kind of fight or flight in, in a patient because of our own stuff. You know, we project right. as doctors, we project because we're not perfect. We project our own fears onto the patient because we feel if we don't do something now, which is what's expected, we're going to be bad doctors, they're going to die, and yeah. then that's going to be on us that they died, and I didn't give them everything that, you know, that I think is best for them, and, you know, but sometimes we'll literally vomit on the patient and their families and give them this whole list of things yeah. they need to do, and sometimes I still do that, but I try not to, <laughs> um, and they're just overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if I go back to my sister's situation, that's exactly what happened to my mom and dad. It was, you know, here's the diagnosis. Okay, we're doing this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this. No, there was like no conversation, no this. It just we, We've got to do it immediately. Oh, and things were very different back then. I mean, she had leukemia. We didn't have bone marrow transplants like we do now. We didn't have some of the medications we have now. We didn't have the same sense of alternative or complementary therapies or energy healing like we do now. So they they went down that train track. They did everything mm-hmm. that the doctors said and when they said it. And ultimately, I think that is truly a big part of what created the, the suffering that swept through her life and our lives. Mm-hmm. Because there was just no time for anybody to come down. There was no time... To say, okay, there was no wait choice. A is that there the best no... choice? Right. Is it the best yeah. choice? Is it the best choice for now? Should we wait a little bit? Should we, you know, see how, see what happens in the next couple of weeks or the next month? It, it, it wasn't about anything other than let's do it now. And yeah, I, I mean, I've been in this profession long enough to have seen it and been a part of it too. And we take choices away from people. And that is just what I do not want to do anymore. I want to be able to provide them with choices if they want to go down the mainstream medicine road, if they want to go down an alternative road, or if they want to go somewhere in the middle. I want to be able to be there and support them. And I can. And I think that's what really makes me different from some other cancer practitioners I wrote there is because I do bring this 30 plus years of, of medical experience with me as well as yes. the 20 years of the other piece 
so I can meet them where they're at. And to me, that's the most critical thing because it's not about me and it's not about the doctor. It's about the person sitting in front of us. And we need to start meeting them where they're at, not where we're at. Right. So true. I I really wish that every single person with that, you know, that shocking diagnosis of cancer, the first thing that they do aside from telling their loved ones is to consult someone like you so that they don't get pushed, they don't get rushed into things that they may regret. They they become empowered. Um, and, And even if, like, I, you know, people have asked me, you know, like, okay, I decided to do chemo or whatever, right? And I said, okay, well, let's get your body as strong as it can before. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we exactly. can do that. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, we Love can it. do that. Let's do that. Like, I can, you know, I can measure how happy your adrenals are. I can happy how, how happy your detox organs are. We can check that before and after and then give you the tools and, and nutrition and whatever to support you so that you're not, you're going to lessen, you know, potential side effects. And they're like, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love that. Love, 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 because the stronger that their bodies can be before they go into treatment, if that's what they choose, the yeah. better off they are to have great success with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I often I I've seen awesome. this over it now. I don't I don't deal with a lot of cancer of these. I, I certainly am not a specialist at that, so I usually refer everybody. But but what I've seen is that the people that really tank, okay, and do poorly and usually die of their chemo, okay, rather than their cancer, are those that are are totally depleted. Their chi is depleted, yes. their energy is depleted, their emotions are depleted, and I can predict that they're going to do poorly, right? And then there's other people where they're they're dealing with their stuff emotionally. They are yeah. strong. They're, they maybe their constitution is strong. Maybe they're they're you know they're not overly stressed and they don't have adrenal fatigue like I went through, you know. And for them, when they do chemo, they're fine, and I can tell they're going to be fine. Yeah. So, yeah. but I think the mind and the body have an expert. Need to be strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we segue into, um, uh, you know, this this term, which I'm not familiar with, actually, somato-emotional release, I just want to let folks that are live on the call, uh, just going to repeat the number to call in if you would like some advice or tips, uh, expert mentoring uh, with uh, my guest, Deborah Sloan, uh, 818-514-1190. Hit one so we know your hand is up. Again, 818-514-1190. And then if you are online, you can just hit the chat button and put in your question. Um, and, and absolutely, if you have something personal that you would like to share and get some mentoring on, this is the perfect time to you know, put your hand up so, um, so you can get some attention. Um, and then maybe, uh, Deb, you can uh, share what your website is right now and where people can find out more about what you do. Yeah, so my website is www.calming, with a K, influence.ca. And so a lot of people ask me why I spell it with a K, and there was a lot of thought that went into it. And the reason I did that was because if you take the K and the I from Calming Influence, it it represents key or Mm -hmm. chi. Mm -hmm. So it's www.calming influence. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I wanted to make sure that there was some sense of energy in in my words, and um, and so that's what I came up with. Okay. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so people like can, I know you have some sort of interview process. So can you tell us a little bit about that? 
I do. So for anyone who's interested in my program, what we do is uh, a discovery call. And what that really does is just to help me discern where you are and what you're looking for, what your goals are, and what I can offer you see if we're a good fit for each other because not everybody's meant to come to me and I'm not meant to work with everybody. So it's really important to make sure that there's a good fit between the people that are working together. That's really a big part of what makes the program a success as well. So that's Mm, usually anywhere from 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And um, yeah, it it really is just finding out about where they are and, and what their needs are. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you for that. So um, you mentioned that when you know we were communicating about the show that you felt that somato-emotional release was vital. So I'm not really sure what that term means, so maybe you could share with us what is that and why do you feel that's vital? Sure, absolutely. So when I started doing my cranial psychotherapy courses, uh, somato-emotional release was also a part of that. And so I, I did several programs related to that. And what that is, it really is a very therapeutic process that helps the mind and the body rid itself of any residual effects of past trauma or negative experiences. So Mm. if, yeah, so let's say you're diagnosed with cancer at 20 and you have treatment and you come out of it and 30 years later, you're having a lot of health issues again. We do the somato-emotional release, and what often happens is we go back and there's still a lot of unresolved anger or there's still a lot of guilt um, or resentment. You know, another good example would be a sibling of somebody with cancer. And I'll use myself as an example because I've done my own work. And, you know, as recently as a few months ago, I still realized that I had some residual resentment and anger towards my sister as much as I loved her and as much as I would have done anything for her, there was a piece of me as a child that was resentful and angry because I didn't have my parents. I didn't have that time. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, I didn't have her, you know, I, I lost my sister because she was in the hospital all the time. So it's it's releasing that past trauma and, and negative experience, and it's it's a very therapeutic way of helping people. Um, it is a hands-on process, so I can have my hands on somebody's body, and as they're talking, I can actually feel if what they're saying is the piece that needs to be released. So, for example, if um, if I'm working on somebody's hip and they're talking and the hip will lock up, and I'll say, okay, whatever you're thinking about or whatever wherever your conversation is going right now that's the that's what we need to focus on because that's what the body is telling me that's the piece that's locked in there so it's it releases the effects of the past trauma through um physical physical work with the body mm. oh that's really interesting um it's very so interesting you... it's very cool yeah, that sounds really cool. Uh, do you so um, so you do uh, your program is for people who are um, local and non-local, correct? Correct. Yes. Yes. This, okay. This program cool. can be for sure local, or it can be we can do it via um, Skype or Zoom for anybody who is more global. 
Okay, great. Now, uh, the I know you're a certified uh, holistic cancer practitioner. I've actually, honestly, I don't actually know what that is. <laughs> I know that you do way, way beyond what your certification does, but I was just curious if you could just explain that a little bit. Sure. So uh, I really felt that I needed to take this a little deeper, which is why I ended up taking this program. And really, it's it has become a top priority for me. Uh, so I wanted to understand more how I could support them, just like you said, because when they leave the doctor's offices, it's like, okay, here you go, you're on your own now. Um, so I wanted to understand more about what could be offered. And I can take someone through, as I mentioned, down the mainstream medicine or down the alternative or somewhere down the middle road. And what I, how I do that is by... Uh, doing a comprehensive assessment with them, making sure that we're both on the same page as to what their goals are. And then I look at I look at them from a nutritional perspective. I look at them from the perspective mm-hmm. of what's happening in their body as far as that alkaline versus acidity piece. I look at the uh, cleansing, draining, and detoxifying piece where are we nice. in that... So much like you talking about, you know, how strong is your adrenals? How strong are your kidneys? How strong are your all of your organs? I can help make those organs stronger by taking them through those processes. Uh, you know, we look at lifestyle. What's what's going on in their life? We look at their environment. Where where are they living? What are some of the geopathic stressors that they've got going on in their life? What's happening with Ooh, their interesting. physical? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's happening in their physical world? And then again, their mental world. Where are they in that mindfulness mental piece? So the lifestyle, environmental, dietary, home, their age, physical and mental are the sort of the key components. And I put age in there because what I found was an overwhelmingly prevalent pattern was people who were in their 80s, the late 80s, and being diagnosed with cancer and then being sent down this road of chemo and radiation. And I bet you eight times out of ten, eight clients out of ten would say to me, can you come with me to my doctor because I don't want to do this anymore. And we would go to the doctor, and the doctor would really want them to continue on the journey. And then sometimes the, the client would relent and continue with the journey, and sometimes we were able to say, no, this is not what they want they really really want to stop this because the symptoms of the chemo and the radiation are making them sicker than the cancer yeah so a lot of a lot of things like that's why i put age in there because it's important to understand you know if they're if you're 88 years old let's give them a choice maybe they really don't want to go down that road and you know what that's okay because it's about them and it's about how they want to live their lives Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Just, you know, oh, somebody... That's beautiful. There's so many times that I wanted to be there, but I just couldn't be in so many places at once. And I know it yeah. wasn't really a doctor role. And, um, and if it was, I would probably burn myself out doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you to be at everybody's appointments or talking to the yeah. doctors. 
and advocating for them because I did have someone more recently, like I said, I don't really specialize in cancer, but this is, you know, referrals, a friend of a friend. And, and so we did do our best to try to make her stronger in between her chemos. And she was doing great, you know, in between. Mm-hmm. And she says, I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, that's fantastic. I support that, you know, decision. But then yeah. come to find out, she got convinced. Like like she had what yeah. I would consider a healing reaction. You know, she need she needed some drainage of fluids, which is often what happens when cancer, you know, actually yeah. is dissolving. Is there's a lot of gunk that needs to be cleared, and immediately the doctor said, "Oh, it's the cancer." And I'm like, "You didn't even frickin' test if it was the cancer." Right. You know what they thought was an infection. Right. Guess what? It wasn't an infection, you know? And, of course, I couldn't prove it. All I have is, you know, energy, you know, intuitive stuff. What am I going to say? I intuitively know it's not cancer. Anyway, so she was in the healing, but they convinced her to do another one, and that her body couldn't take that. We did not have a chance to get her body set up. We were not preparing for another one, and she passed away. And, man, that was tough because I wasn't there. I couldn't be there. Well, and That wasn't my role. And so that's why – that's why I did this because I wanted to be another option for people. I wanted to be an extension yeah. of the physician that couldn't be there. I wanted to help those people. I want to help those people go through the cleansing and the draining and the detoxing. And I mean, that's a whole other talk because people are misusing those words so poorly and don't really understand what they mean. But, you know, yes, boosting their immunities, helping them to get stronger reducing the inflammation in their body before they start all of these treatments or even during. That's what I want to be able to do. So that's part of what a, um, a cancer practitioner, a certified cancer practitioner can do. You know, I can, mm. I can take them through a drainage protocol and help them with that to help get rid of some of that gunk, um, help them to oxygenate their bodies. Yeah, that sounds great. I wish I knew you before, but everything is, is as is perfect. And obviously, I had to have that experience myself, you know, and uh, you know, and and the the family and everything like that. And that you know, in the end, mm-hmm. was a healing experience for all. But it was tough. Um, and yeah. having people like you do this kind of work is so vital, so important. Um, and, uh, you know, the average person, including myself, I mean, didn't know you guys existed. I mean, I hate to say it, but we right. didn't. Like, it's just not in our level of, con- like, like it wasn't in my face. Like, oh, wow, there's this other whole other area of support that I could have tapped into. Uh, it's not on your everyday oncology, you know, pamphlet. <laughs> not mm-hmm. around here anyway. No, no, it's not. Um, but I'd be happy to send you some of mine if you like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. That sounds great. <laughs> it's uh, it's an it's a very interesting world to be in. I'm loving it, and um, I'm just mm. trying to get the word out there so that I can help more people. Because I really, it doesn't mean we can cure them, like we said earlier. But I I really feel like I can be a big part of helping them transform their lives so that they can heal and whatever that means to them. Right, exactly. Oh, that's beautiful. So before we part for today, it looks like no one is asking a question at the moment. Mm-hmm. I've pretty much asked most of them, <laughs> actually. <and> everybody <laughs> You've asked some great but, questions. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, you know, it's funny. They're like, how did you know I was going to ask that? I'm like, oh, maybe this intuition, you know. So um, 
maybe we can just share with folks again, you know, what your website is, um, how yeah. they connect with you to do the interview, whether there's a cost for the interview, um, and then maybe a tip, you know, one, one you know, final word uh, from you before we say goodbye. Okay. So you can reach me at www.calminginfluence.ca and calming is with a K. Um, my email is Deborah Sloan, D-E-B-O-R-A-H-S-L-O-A-N at rogers.com. You can also reach me by phone or text at 905-717-0243. To book the um, discovery call, there is no cut I do just to make sure that we're a good fit for each other before jumping into the program. Um, yeah, so anybody who's welcome to reach me, or I'm also on Facebook under um, Call Me Influence by Deb Simone RN. And, yeah, I'd be happy to answer any questions uh, if anybody had any right. later on down the road after this show. And where do you – I'm not sure where exactly you live. <laughs> I forgot to so I, ask you that. I reside in just south of Barrie, Ontario. I live in Churchill. And that is okay. just about an hour north of Toronto. So I do okay. have an office yeah, so here that I Yeah, so you're actually pretty run. close to my, my parents. They're Markham. Oh, okay. Yeah, not far at all. Yeah. 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 So I've got oh, an office cool. here in Barrie that I, uh, I run as well. For anybody who's interested in the, the cranial sacral piece or the somatoemotional mm-hmm. release, that, that's, uh, that's where I do that. Mm. Totally cool. Awesome. Great. Mm-hmm. So any parting words you'd like to share with our audience? Oh, a tip. Oh, my goodness. I have so many. Uh, one of the things <laughs> I think I would just say to people is take a breath. You have a choice. And just reach out and ask. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, well, thank you, Deb, so much for the interview today. Thank you, Karen. Um, my pleasure. This is so important, so valuable. Um, definitely, like I said, you know, anybody else that says, where can I get help for, you know, this kind of thing, <laughs> I'm referring them to you because, like I said, I don't deal oh, a lot with cancer you. in my practice, but um, this is so sorely needed. So thank you again, Deb. And I want to also thank uh, everyone who listened in live and on the replay today. And uh, please share this show with anyone who you think may be ready and open to do some, you know, real healing work around their cancer that are maybe struggling and um, needing support. So please, please share the link to the show. Again, thanks, and until next time. Bye for now, everyone. Bye, Deb. Bye, Karen. Thank you. My pleasure.